Hello again, everyone, and I want to say it's great to see you, and in the first service as well, it, uh, it was great to see so many uh, returning after about a two-year absence as things open up again. So if, that's, if you're here and you're one of those folks, it's good to see you. Thank you. And uh, for those watching online, and I know some of you are waiting for the man, mass mandate eventually to be lifted, uh, we look forward to, to seeing you as well. And for new people, we've had a number of new people uh, at Woodside. Uh, welcome to you. We're glad you are here. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to John chapter 10 or a device and we'll get there in just a moment. And as you're turning, I want to ask a few questions as we begin today. First, who is leading you? Who are the voices that you're listening to? When you make decisions about what to do and not to do, where to go, what are the voices in your life? And what is the most important voice or the loudest voice in your life? We're in the series, What If Everything Jesus Said Was True, and for John who wrote this book, he would say, the loudest voice in my life is Jesus Christ. He, along with others who had seen Christ on the cross and then raised the third day, uh, they would go to their grave saying, Jesus his voice alone is the one we should follow. And John, as he's an older man, he writes this gospel called the Gospel of John. And in it, he lays out the evidence for us to believe and follow Jesus. He, he tells us, the reason I wrote this is that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And so the Gospel of John is laid out uh, with seven uh, signs that Jesus did, miracles. And then it's laid out with seven I am statements of Jesus, with the whole point of John saying to you, look at the evidence, Jesus rose from the dead, follow him. And so today, as we continue in John chapter 10, we're gonna come across a couple of Jesus I am statements. We're gonna focus on one in particular. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way and the truth and the life, I am the vine, and he said, I am the good shepherd. Now before we get to text, let's all just familiarize ourselves with sheep and shepherds. In that day, they were very familiar uh, with this metaphor, this analogy that Jesus is going to use. They would look back at their ancestors and they realized that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David were all shepherds. They realized that God was a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jacob said, God has been my shepherd. And then uh, God led the people of Israel, like a shepherd. So as you read your Bible, you will come across shepherd about a hundred times. And here's Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. Secondly, when you read your Bible, you'll read about sheep and about 200 references to sheep and 200 to lambs. So we got about 400 references to these, can I say it, dumb animals. Um, uh, we have one sheep farmer, an elder that I know of uh, here at Woodside that's a sheep farmer, and I was just making sure, yeah, they're dumb. Um, <laughs> but, but sheep, if they're grazing in a pasture, they will stay in that pasture and eat all of the grass, and then once they're done, they won't move to another pasture. They're sheep. Uh, so sheep aren't the smartest animal uh, around. Uh, sheep um, uh, are not ferocious. They're not, um, uh, they're not fast. 
so they have little ability to defend themselves. That's why we teach our kids, right? When they're going to bed, count sheep. They're little, cuddly little things. Okay. Uh, sheep get scared. Sheep are quick to follow other sheep, regardless of, of where the other sheep are going. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, wait a second, I think I know enough that I'm a sheep in Scripture. Uh, how come I'm not referred to as an eagle or a lion? Why a sheep? Okay. The reason is sheep need a shepherd. And the emphasis of this text is not on the sheep, it's on the shepherd, the good shepherd. And when you, we're going to look at three truths that, that Jesus speaks of in this text, when you understand who the good shepherd is, nobody's going to have to poke you and prod you to follow him. It will lead you to worship him. It will lead you to trust him. It will lead you to follow his voice, that his voice is the loudest voice in your life. If you're not yet a Christian, uh, and you're talking to a Christian, and, uh, and you might hear Christians say something like this, um, at Woodside, or as Christians, we're not about religion, we're about a relationship. And it's so true. God wants a relationship with all of us. And today we're going to look at this beautiful picture of the shepherd and sheep. And may he lead you to himself. So if you're indifferent today, and you're kind of like, ah, kind of following Jesus, you don't know the good shepherd. So let's look at uh, three things about him. So beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 10, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So in verses 1 and 2, we have Jesus talking about a shepherd and sheep and a sheep pen. So let's go back to that day to familiarize ourselves with what he's uh, referring to here. Uh, in that day, in the villages throughout the land of Israel, uh, many of the villages had a sheep pen, and it was in the village or adjacent to the village. So each home uh, didn't have their own sheep pen. It was a community pen. And so you would bring your sheep, the shepherd would bring his sheep uh, after a day out in the countryside, bring their sheep to this sheep pen. It was a community sheep pen. Your sheep were mixed in with other sheep. And uh, if you are here with a newborn, it's kind of like our nursery sheep pen, right? Your little lamb is mixed in with some other little lambs. And so uh, in each village, they built this enclosure, these walls, with a gate getting in and out of the sheepfold, the sheep pen. And Jesus says there's some that don't go in through the gate. They go over the wall, and he calls them thieves and robbers. Now, what's Je who's Jesus referring to? In Ezekiel 34, hundreds of years earlier, Ezekiel had prophesied about the good shepherd, but he's also prophesied about false shepherds. And he said hundreds of years earlier, woe to you shepherds of Israel. And then he lays out the case against them. Instead of feeding the sheep, 
The shepherds were feeding themselves. Instead of taking care of the sheep, the shepherds were taking care of themselves, and they were, they were um, placing burdens on the sheep. And Jesus is saying to the religious leaders, that's you. You're trying to get into the sheep, but you're not a real shepherd. Ezekiel also, in that uh, context, uh, back in Ezekiel 34, not only talks about the false shepherds, but he talks and points ahead to this true shepherd that's going to be from the line of David. And who is that? That's the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And Jesus is saying, that good shepherd, that is me. I don't go over the gate, uh, over the walls. I go in through the gate. Now, please notice this, that Jesus is saying that he, as a shepherd, has a relationship with his sheep, that God can have a relationship with you. Here's the first truth about our good shepherd that we see in this text. He knows you. If you're a follower of Jesus, let these three truths just embrace them. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, he's inviting you into his sheep pen. He knows you. Look at verses 3 and 4. He calls his own sheep by name. He knows your name. That's what Jesus is saying. Just like a shepherd knows a sheep, I know my sheep. If you're here today and you find that hard to believe that out of seven and a half, eight billion people in the world today, Jesus knows your name, join the club. It's unbelievable. He knows me. He knows my name. You being made in the image of God, we see this right through scripture, you being made in the image of God are special to God unlike the rest of creation. That God has conferred honor on you, bestowed honor on you, that he hasn't conferred on the rest of creation. God probably enjoys his mountains, he enjoys the rivers and the lakes, he enjoys the stars, his creation, but you are the pinnacle of his creation. You are special in the right sense of the word. You were made in the image of God. Let us make man or mankind in our image, in our likeness, and male and female, he created them. Uh, when I was in high school, I didn't hear that. I heard something else. I heard that we came from monkeys. Anybody saw, have you, can you, uh, did you see that monkey chart? Right? You, we've evolved. There's like this linear progression. Here's the ape, then Homo erectus, and then Homo sapien, right? And taught that in high school. Wasn't taught that at home. I was taught the Bible. Today, we realize that that's not true. Data says that there were all sorts of humanoid species on the planet Earth at the same time. You're not, you haven't evolved from an ape. It's not your origin. You were made in the image of God. You are special to him. Uh, I want to point out just briefly, uh, how are we made in the image of God? Physically, we are made in his image. We build, we speak, we have the ability to create. Emotionally, we can feel. God is a God of emotion. Um, someone has suggested there's about 80 or so different emotions that we can feel. I think most of us can identify with the common three, right? Sad, mad, and happy, right? We all are somewhat emotional. Morally, uh, we all have an innate sense of right and wrong. Intellectually, uh, 
we can think and reason. We have an intellect. Relationally, we can do community, be a part of community. We're complex relational beings. And then spiritually, we have a spirit or soul. We can commune with God. That was broken when we sinned, but that's the whole story of Jesus. He came to lay down his life for us so that we could be restored to this relationship with God. You are set apart from the rest of creation. God made you, in fact, Jesus was part of that. Colossians 1, all things were made by him or through him and for him. You were made to be loved by God and to love him. You were made to be known by God and to know him. And Jesus says, I, the shepherd, the good shepherd, I've got a relationship with my sheep. Look what he goes on. And just uh, want to pause here before we go to the next truth. Is maybe you're here and you're thinking, wait a second. How can God know everything about me when I walk out the door in the morning? I mean, there's too many people. You have to understand that God is infinite. He has infinite wisdom, infinite love, infinite knowledge. He sees everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. That's why we're told that he knows the hairs on our head. Not that he's good at number crunching, but he knows exactly this morning, today, how many hairs you have on your head. He knows, it says in Scripture, uh, when you rise and when you sit, when you go out, when you come in, he knows a thought before you think it. He knows a word before you say it. And as David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. How precious are your thoughts, O God. But maybe you're saying, wait a second, he knows all of that about me. Then he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And maybe you're thinking, oh, God's got a scowl on his face right now. He doesn't like me. You need to understand that God is a God of mercy and grace. And because of what Jesus did for you, and because you're in Jesus, you are robed in the righteousness of the good shepherd. And so when God looks at you heading out the door each morning, he sees you spotless and blameless. It's called grace, amazing grace. When you begin to understand the good shepherd, that he knows you, and he, he, he's got good for you, it, it changes your life. Second truth, he leads you. Jesus says, notice in verse uh, 3 and 4, he calls his own sheep by name, he knows them, and leads them out. He calls. So the shepherd, uh, what they would do is at the end of the day, they bring their sheep back into the community pen, and they'd hire a gatekeeper who would protect the sheep overnight, make sure they're okay. The shepherd then would go home, uh, eat a meal, and go to bed, return the next day, reappear, and he'd go through the gate, and the shepherd would speak, and these little sheep would come and follow the shepherd out. He leads. Jesus is saying to us, I lead. How does he lead us today? He leads us by his word. Jesus, through his word, wants to help you make decisions. Jesus, through his word, wants to help you to live your life. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to go, through his word. Opening your Bible is not about learning more of Scripture, doing a devotion as an endpoint. It's to help you to connect with the shepherd. That's why I want to encourage you, if you don't have the practice of before you read the word of God, you're just, Lord, speak to me. Lord, what does you have for me? And then secondly, he leads through his spirit. 
the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, Jesus has come into you through his spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of truth. And the spirit is to lead you and illumine scripture for you so you have a better understanding of what, what you want to do. Now, the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago that it's all about Jesus, uh, but Jesus is the Trinity, uh, part of the Trinity, so there's the Holy Spirit and uh, the Son and the Father. They're co-equal, co-eternal. And what I was trying to say uh, a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit was he doesn't draw us to ourself. And look what God's doing in my life. He always draws us to Jesus, to the Good Shepherd. And so that means, and if it's kind of new for you being in a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, how do I know if Jesus is talking to me, how do I know if it's just me? In time, in that relationship, you grow and you learn to trust him more and more. And so you get these sometimes, uh, for me, they're impressions or promptings, and I just get this sense, okay, God, you want me to do this. Oh, God, you want me to say that. And is it of me? Is it of the Spirit? I'm not sure, but I, I'm, I'm, I have a relationship with Jesus, and so I'm trying to follow him. So how does he lead through his word and through his spirit? Where does he lead? Where's, if you follow Jesus, where is he going to lead you? Verse 5, but they, speaking of a sheep, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Whose voice are you listening to? Jesus said, if you're listening to his voice, you're not listening to the voice or the voices of strangers. Now, how many of you, you can identify, you say this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, right? You want to follow Jesus, but, but man, you're listening to other voices, and, and it's a constant, I got to turn around. I got to turn, no, I'm going in this direction, it's the wrong direction, I got to turn around. I'd like to share four voices that, I, that we hear today. The first one are the voices of religion. You need religion. That's the, that was voice was very loud back at the time of Jesus. In fact, in Israel, uh, the Jews had some jurisdiction under the Roman Empire and uh, under Caesar. But, but so those Pharisees, their voices were very loud. And the environment of the Pharisees was one of shame and guilt and condemnation. You, if you know God, here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. If you don't do it, we're going to shame you. You're an outcast. You're not part of the flock. You're left behind. We don't hear religious voices too loud today. We hear some. You got to do this. You got to do that. Uh, a second voice of a stranger would be the voice of the political leaders, right? Again, not so strong today. In that day, it was uh, Caesar and the emperor, and he had his governors, and his voice was loud and clear. Uh, that's another voice. Here's the big one today. It's the voice of culture, cultural shepherds, whether it be a musician, whether it be someone writing for the Globe and Mail, someone on a talk show, someone uh, on TV, script writers, they're all selecting certain information with an agenda, moving you somewhere. And that's the voice, especially if they're young people, that voice is just calling loud and clear, Go here, go here. This is what will make you happy. This is what constitutes reality. You want to be happy? You do this. Don't worry about any God. Just live for yourself. Don't be oppressed by anything or shut down. You just do what we tell you to do. And so we have that very strong voice in culture. And then there's a fourth voice that's a stranger's voice if you're following Jesus. It's your voice. 
self-shepherding. Maybe you're part of you know, the culture that says, you know, I'm skeptical of everybody. I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm just going to listen to my voice. Um, I'm going to be autonomous. That's, the, that's a myth of being autonomous. Uh, even if you're not consciously following somebody, you're subconsciously, you've got forces at play. Um, and if it's just your voice you're listening to, okay, I'll, I'll give you a self-testimony. It's pretty pathetic if mine's the only voice I'm listening to. Those are strangers' voices. Jesus says, my sheep don't follow those voices. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep or the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus gives a second picture. The first is the community sheep pen with the high walls and the gate. The second is the, uh, the, the sheep pen that's out in the wilderness. There were some times where a shepherd would be out with his flocks grazing in the fields and wouldn't come in for the evening. But for some reason, they were left out in the countryside. And to spend a night out there, they needed an enclosure from wolves, uh, from a, a number of, of things uh, that might attack the sheep. And so they built uh, these enclosures made of rocks. The walls were not that high. But then the shepherd would have the practice of laying across the gate to the enclosure. And Jesus is saying, I'm the gate, I'm the door to get into God's sheep pen. If you want to go into God's pen, you have to go through me. It's another picture that he gives us. And then he says this in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is such an incredible verse. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, I want to encourage you to maybe think about underlining it. Uh, this has been uh, my life verse. The thief, these uh, religious leaders who are not looking after you, who are out for themselves, they're about taking and they're in line, as we heard last week, of the devil, uh, and he's a taker. That's, if you follow those voices, they take. But if you follow me, I'm a giver. I give life. I give life to the full, or sometimes we refer to it as abundant life. What Jesus is saying to you today is abundant life, it's this way. It's to me. Every time you by faith, obey Jesus, and you, you take that step of faith, you're moving towards abundant life. Every time that you disobey Jesus, follow your feelings, whatever, following the other voices, you're moving away from Jesus, away from abundant life. Yes, sin is pleasurable for us this season. It's fun. It's, like, it's all of that. But you're missing life because ultimately life is about a person. And the more over time you get closer to Jesus, the more you're going to become like, like Jesus, you're going to become the person you're created to be. If in your home you have someone listening to the voice of Jesus and someone else listening to the voice of Jesus and then some kids or teens listening to the voice of Jesus, he's the strongest voice in the home, you will move towards abundant life. You'll find in your home there's more grace, there's more forgiveness, there's more kindness. 
But if you're listening to other voices, you're moving away from the abundant life. And that's why we as Christians, when we hear about someone, you know, walking away from God or Scripture and they're, they're going somewhere else, I, you know, I'm the exception to the rule. I feel, if you knew my story and I'm going and doing this, we're not angry, we're sad. Because they're moving away from the one who is life. So this life to the full is not getting all your dreams fulfilled or checking things off your bucket list um, because those things are temporary. The abundant life is Jesus himself. And I want to say this especially for young people, but for all of us, um, as we follow Jesus, there will be times when obedience is easy, right? Go forgive that person. Oh, sure. I'm sorry for what I did to you. Or will you forgive me? But there will be times when obedience is hard. Go forgive that person? I don't feel like it. And there will be times when you wonder or you doubt, should I keep following Jesus in his voice? Because look at my life, look at my circumstances. We prayed about this and it didn't happen. Or we asked God to do this and he didn't do it. And we try to reconcile this good shepherd and this God and abundant life with what we're looking at in our circumstances. There's times obedience is difficult. But Jesus says, if you keep obeying me and follow me, I'm going to lead you to green pastures. Back in 2005, uh, there were a group of shepherds over in Turkey. This made uh, global news. Um, but they had taken a, a, a break for breakfast to get some breakfast. And they were looking after 1,500 sheep. And while they were taking this break, there was one sheep that wandered over to the edge of a cliff and went over. And then another one. And then another one. 1,499 sheep followed that first sheep, all 1,500. The first 400 died. The second 1,100 didn't because they kind of had a cushion to land on. Jesus is saying, I'm abundant life. If you go in the other direction, you're following the shepherds of culture saying, do this, live that way. You know, it's just like, me too. Me too, me too. In the end, it's not good for you because you're not going closer or moving closer to Jesus. And I want to say to all of us here, whatever you are going through, uh, there is a uh, way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And you need to remind yourself, what I see isn't necessarily the way I should go. I want to follow the good shepherd. And this good shepherd, he has promised to ultimately lead us to the green pasture of eternity where we are in his presence. Maybe right now, today, you are surrounded by wolves. Maybe you're in darkness and it's hard to see. Maybe you're in a valley and you just wished you weren't. He has promised the good shepherd to lead you home. What he says is either true or not true. He either rose from the dead or he didn't. And he says, I'll lead you to life. Ultimately, I'm going to lead you to myself. The third thing, he, he knows you, he leads you to a very good place, and then thirdly, he loves you. Uh, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Three times Jesus says, I lay down my life. I'm laying down my life. And notice, 
for the sheep. The word for means in place of or on behalf of. That Jesus on the cross was my substitute. He died for me. And then Jesus goes on to say, I love my sheep. I'm not like a hired hand. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. He's speaking of the religious leaders. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will speak to my, listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says, I know my sheep. I'm laying down my life for my sheep and I have sheep of another sheepfold, another pen. What's he talking about? He's talking in his day to the sheepfold pen of Judaism, these Jews who would come to believe in Jesus. The other sheep pen is of who? Gentiles, you and me, you're in that sheep pen. We're in that sheep pen. We too are his sheep. And notice, though, he brings them together, one flock and one shepherd. Around the world, Jesus has sheep. One flock following one shepherd. A few years ago, I had the privilege of, of going and visiting some missionaries on the field that we support, and they were just, all of them, doing a great work. Uh, but went to Ambabala Island, uh, which is in Zambia, this island. And, uh, you know, as I think back to that, there's so many highlights of that trip. And, and, and getting to meet the chief of the island, and that was just a hoot. And there were so many other things that were just like, wow. Went to Ecuador and uh, got to go out to the camp uh, that we helped support there, and it's on the Pacific Ocean, and swim in the ocean, and, and we played volleyball, just so many things there. And then went to Rwanda, and saw the, the, the country of a thousand hills, and, and was taken to places, you know, they had the genocide back in the, the early 90s, and seeing those sites, and there was just so many things that I saw, so many memories. But what moved me the most the highlight of that trip, of, 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 of those trips, was seeing other followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters. They had the same Jesus that by his word and by his spirit called me, Dan, it's true, come to me, believe in me. The same Jesus that did that for me did that for them. And just talking with them in Zambia, in a church, or on the island, Mbabala Island. Here's some other Christians there, and it was so great to see them. In Ecuador, there were some leaders there who were leading the kids, and they had once been children, many of them from, not Christian, from non-Christian homes, and there they were loving Jesus. And then in Rwanda, seeing uh, in particular uh, these ladies from a cafe that we kind of, in a way, help support, um, who are these ladies sharing their story, and some of them sharing that they'd lost a husband or lost a family member or a whole family in the genocide, and speaking of how they were able to forgive, and they had a relationship with Jesus. What, isn't that encouraging to you that we've got other sheep around the world? Are you anticipating the day when the sheep from every tongue and tribe and nation will be gathered around the good shepherd praising him and saying, we don't deserve to be here. 
You are so good to us. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, he's inviting you today to say, I've been following other voices. I've been following my own voice. And I agree, Jesus, I'm a sinner who deserves death. But by faith today, I'm turning from my sin. I'm trusting what you did for me on the cross. I want you to save me from my sins. I want to bow my, my knee. I want to surrender my life to you, Jesus. I want you to lead me. He will come into your life, into your heart by faith, and you will become a part of his flock. At Woodside, we will continue to lift up Jesus. We're not here lifting up any other thing. Yesterday, the elders and the staff uh, met uh, uh, in the morning, and we shared, we were talking about just uh, the days ahead and looking ahead and a time of prayer as well. And uh, there were a couple of things from that day that stood out to me. One, it was a reminder of our elders and staff and how we are so united. Uh, coming through this pandemic um, has been the case. You know, there, there's so many things to divide, so many opinions. But as elders and staff, uh, we have worked really hard. It's taken a lot of work. But to a person, we all say, Jesus is so much bigger. We're all about Jesus. We're going to lift him up. But the thing that struck me yesterday was not just our unity, but it was the passion of our leaders for Jesus. I mean, just one after another sharing about this Jesus that we're following. Hey, to the world, we're not going to push Jesus on you, but we're going to continue to point to Jesus, whether it's right to do that or not right to do that. He's our only, as we heard earlier, he's our only hope. If you're considering Woodside, we're about Jesus. We're about that good shepherd and having a relationship with him. If you're here and you've been taken from, he's the one that gives back. If you're here and you're broken, he's the one that heals and one day will make you whole. If you're here and you're struggling with things and people, he's the one that in him, he will give you some peace. We lift up Jesus. Jesus goes on to share verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. The command I received, this command I received from my father. Jesus is saying, nobody forced me to go to the cross. I voluntarily went there because I love my sheep. I love people. Peter, who saw Jesus being arrested and would see uh, Jesus alive again, later wrote these words, talking about the cross and it being foreordained. Said this in 1 Peter 1, for you know that it is not with silver or gold that we were redeemed from uh, the empty way of life handed down from our forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He was chosen to die on the cross before God created anybody. Somehow in God's infinite eternal plan, it was his plan to send his son who would lay down his life for you and for me. I'm the good shepherd. And as always with the teaching of Jesus, whether it's then or it's still today or in the days ahead, it always forces a decision. You got to choose, yes, he's telling me the truth, I'm going to follow him, or no, he's not telling me the truth, I'm not following him. And, and in that day, it went like this, verse, verse 19 to 21, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? 
people that were closed to Jesus. We're not believing any of what you said. Still today, people are just closed to Jesus. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? They were open, and some of them would later believe and come to a relationship with Jesus. If you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus, the Jesus we lift up, he can be found through his word. We encourage you to read the Gospel of John, read about the life of Jesus, and you know what you're gonna find? You're gonna find a person who went around his whole life strengthening the weak, healing the sick, bandaging the injured, bringing back the strays, saving the lost, washing feet, welcoming outcasts, loving the brokenhearted, and bringing together diverse people. People like Simon the Zealot, one of his disciples, and Levi, who's Matthew the tax collector, someone who sold out to the government of Rome way over here, someone who, uh, or someone who, who wanted to overtake Rome, and then someone who, wanted to say, uh, who sold out to Rome. Two very different people. And he brought them together, and he changed them. One shepherd and one flock. Are you a part of that flock? If you haven't been listening to the voice of Jesus, he's inviting you today to come into a relationship with him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you're one of his sheep, okay, I want to ask you, is his voice the loudest in your life? Maybe today you need to say, Lord, I've been wandering. I'm turning around. God, would you work in my heart in the days ahead? I want to hear your voice. I want to go to you and have life with you. You are known, you are led, and you are loved by the good shepherd. He says this in verses 27, 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you're in the flock, you're in the pen, nobody's climbing over the wall to get you. Jesus has got you, and he will lead you home. 